This is The Matt Report, the voice of WordPress entrepreneurship. If you're running a WordPress freelance business selling themes, plugins, or client services, this is the place for you. Learn more at mattreport.com and subscribe at mattreport.com slash subscribe. And now, on to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Matt Report. It's the number one podcast interviewing entrepreneurs that use WordPress to power their business. Notice the little change as we progress over the seasons. Uh, we're interviewing people from all over the place now. We're talking to uh, developers, designers, entrepreneurs, business owners, bloggers, people who just are using WordPress to power their business. They don't necessarily need to be using WordPress at the core. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about that today from Zoe. If you've been listening to the show and loving the show, which a lot of you have, because Lisa and I get emails and tweets all the time, thank you very much, uh, please head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. You don't even have to write anything. If you're afraid to like, oh man, Matt, i got to take 30 seconds out of my busy day to write out a few sentences about why I love the show, you don't have to. Just mouse over the fifth star, not the first star, the fifth star, uh, and go ahead and click that. That really helps us uh, rise up in the rankings and be found to find other uh, listeners, which is going to progress the show. So we thank you very much for that. We're also on Stitcher. SoundCloud, uh, and if you're not so, if you're not on iTunes, you can find us there and YouTube, of course. Best way to stay connected: hop on over to mattreport.com/slash-subscribe, join the mailing list. And this show is brought to you by Conductor Plugin, the developer's tool for building layouts and content displays for WordPress. You can find out more about that conductorplugin.com. Our hero today, Zoe Rooney. Zoe, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You are the owner and lead developer of Zoe Rooney web development. That's what it says on your business cards. I have a feeling you might say that you're something else, <laughs> but give us your two-minute elevator pitch of who you are and what you do. Yeah, I would say I'm a lot of things, as many people who run small businesses are. Um, I'm mainly a front-end developer. I am what I would call a developer for designers. So I have a, a really strong design focus, and what I do is build mainly WordPress sites and some Shopify sites, along with the designers as my main partners. So that's the, the sort of high level. Of yeah. I so, you know, one of the things that's really, that's really interesting, besides the work that you do, which looks amazing, by the way, is, is how you got to that point. And I love the pitch of, you know, I'm the, I'm the designer's developer. It's so mm -hmm. simple, but it's awesome, right? And it just, it just answers so many questions, right? When somebody comes to you and says, can you build me a website? All you have to say is, are you a designer? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm a, I own a pizza store. Sorry. Right. I only work with designers. How did you mm -hmm. get to that point? Uh, tell us a story about maybe you know, early on in, in your life cycle as a business owner, maybe taking on sort of the everyday client to how you got to picking and choosing designers. Yeah, I definitely did start out with a much wider focus. Um, I have a design and art background, so I started out doing both design and development, doing the whole, the whole project like a lot of people do. Um, one of the things that I found early on is that there are a lot of really amazing designers out there, really talented, amazing designers putting out really fantastic work. And uh, I found it really hard to, to do design sort of on demand and in a client capacity, working with clients, but I found it really fun and easy to do the problem solving and the development piece of things. So that balance of what I found easy and enjoyed doing, plus all the competition in the design market, kind of pointed me right towards development as a focus. Around the same time, early on, when I was uh, still working full-time and freelancing on the side, I went to a design conference, and there I talked with a whole bunch of designers who uh, all of them were telling me again and again and again that they've had a, they had a really hard time finding developers to work with, and especially developers who they felt like 
communicated well with them and really understood the details of their designs and brought those to life in a way that was authentic to the design. And so that was just sort of like an obvious, you know, I'm here at this conference talking to uh, tens of designers, all of whom are saying, I really need a developer to work with. And I was like, well, I can do, I can do that. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so then that just took off from there. And what I quickly learned is that if I'm working with a designer, the designer is finding the clients. The designer is finding the one who wants the site. And, and they come to me with the, with the clients. So I don't have to do any going out and searching for work, which is amazing. I have designers <laughs> who are finding the work and bringing the work to me. So it's just it's blown up from there. That's, that's awesome. Uh, congratulations for, for hitting that level. What, uh, what conference do you, did you go to, and do you still go to designer-focused conferences today? That was Altitude Summit, which okay. is uh, in Salt Lake City, and it's focused on bloggers and sort of design, uh, lifestyle, that sort of niche. Um, I went to that, I think it was, uh, it was the second or third year that they, they ran that conference, a couple years back, and I have not been back since then. Um, it was a lot of fun, but it was. I live in Philadelphia, so it was a long haul, and I just I didn't find that I needed that marketing anymore. Really, yeah. I do try to go to some design-focused conferences. Um, one I got my eye on coming up is uh, Nearly Impossible, which is actually for people who sell physical products that fits right into that e-commerce uh, sort of niche. But I, I I try to go to a lot of variety of different events to sort of just keep myself in the creative mode. Um, yeah. I don't do it so much for the the networking value anymore. Awesome. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in a few about, you know, you might not be going to the uh, the WordCamps as religiously as some of us are, um, and I want to really dive into that, but let's stick with working with designers. You said that it's great because they get to bring you the clients, mm -hmm. but that also means you might be a sort of, um, you know, under the gun of maybe their cash flow or their clients not approving it. How does that process work for you? Are you in touch with their clients? Do they bring you into meetings? Does it differ? Tell us about the, the working relationship with designers. Yeah, that's a great question, and it's one um, designers ask me a lot, too, when they're wondering how this whole thing works. Uh, it really depends. I try to be flexible to meet the needs of the designer, basically. It's how it works. I consider myself business to business, and so the designers are my primary client, and then their clients are sort of a secondary client. Um, some of the designers I work with are more of a small agency model, and with those folks, uh, they're usually a project manager or sort of some sort of middle person from the agency who does most of the client contact. Um, for most of my freelance partners that I work with who are one-person shops, those ones I usually do work directly with the client. Um, and it's really sort of a handoff, so I have my own contract with the client. I have my own invoicing with the client. So they do become my client, um, but the original relationship comes through the designer. So when, when the freelancer, just so folks know, the freelancer might be starting to design it and then they're handing it off for you to, to take it the last mile. Exactly. Or actually more than the last mile, but a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually what they'll do is they'll have someone contact them for a website project and at, at the same time that they're working through their quote for their client, for that potential client, they'll come to me, the designer will uh, at that point, and they'll send an email to me and say these are the specs I have and I will send back to the designer an estimate, and that sort of starts the project ball rolling so that the client is seeing a single overall project cost, understanding that it's coming from you know, the designer and from me, and then once that's approved, then we go off with and we do our paperwork ourselves, and uh, so then it becomes a little bit more parallel, although we keep the lines of communication open the whole time. Um, I don't want to forget about the agency stuff, but in this relationship, when it's a solo freelancer that you're working with, who gets the credit for the site? Is it joint? Is it? Do you vary based on the contract? 
um, and who supports the client at, at after the project launch? Yeah, it's a great question. So usually it's joint credit. Um, it, depend, it does depend on the contract. We, that's something we do negotiate based on what the client needs and what they want for their site. Um, I have become less concerned about having a actual physical credit for myself on the site as I've just been busier and it hasn't been as uh, biggest traffic source for me anymore. So I don't worry about that as much as I used to worry about it, but usually it is a joint credit situation on those sites. Um, in terms of ongoing maintenance, one of my big goals for my sites is that the client is empowered to maintain pretty much everything, all content, all anything that they might need to maintain that they can maintain themselves should they want to. Um, I, I like to tell them that while I love them, I don't want them to have to come back to me <laughs> for any updates or maintenance or changing wording here and there. So there usually isn't a whole ton of media ongoing maintenance. Um, if they do need small changes ongoing, usually they will just email directly and say, this is what I'm looking to do, and we'll say, if this is a big design change or a whole new page, let's circle back with the designer and have them design that. But if it's just a small addition, then, then we'll just schedule that in with them ourselves. Sure, sure. Um, let's get back to the agencies now. That's a little bit of a different animal. Usually, you're, like you mentioned, you're working with a project manager who's very focused on hitting milestones, probably goals for their own agency, or maybe even sometimes what you'll see is project managers are also the sales uh, force for some of the smaller shops. So they're trying to hit uh, budget goals, and they're trying to stay under budget number one and worried about cash flow and contracts and deliverables and all that fun stuff. So what is that relationship like, and... How do you negotiate yourself getting paid uh, up front? I just, I'm very clear up front with what my terms are and what I'll accept and what I won't accept. And I, um, I don't know if I've just been lucky or what it is, but I, I've actually haven't really run into problems with the agencies I've worked with. I've only worked with a couple and they are pretty small for the most part. But we do just kind of talk up front and I say, this is what I'm comfortable with. Um, I ask them what, you know, what they do. And usually it aligns pretty well um, a lot of the agencies actually pay me more than <laughs> I charge myself just because of how the kind of clients that they're bringing in in their whole system and way that's set up. Um, mm -hmm. So it ha it's, been, it's been good. I do, I do really love working with freelancers, though. That is my favorite situation to be in. So that's where I try and focus most of my time. If you uh, have, which you probably already do, uh, a mental image, a picture of the perfect freelance designer to work with, what are one or two highlights that you look for? Yeah, I do. There are some, some really great people I've had a chance to work with, so that's been amazing. Um, I think one thing is just a, just the eye for design. I, I really love that I get to build really beautiful websites, and I'm really proud of the stuff that I've built, even though I don't get to take any of the design credit <laughs> for any <laughs> beautiful stuff. And so that that is the first thing I look at, is I look through someone's portfolio, I look through their work, what they're putting out there, and I just uh, choose things that I'm drawn to that I like visually. Um, another big thing for me is just a sort of a personality, workflow, working style fit. I want to have fun with the designers that I work with, and so I'm looking at how they communicate over email, um, how they are on Twitter. I want to work with people who are nice and who are fun and who are enjoying what they're doing. So those, I think, are the two big things. And then there are a, a whole host of technical things that are helpful, like someone who has a really nicely organized pile they want to send my way. Understands <laughs> font licensing and you know is, is having that conversation early with the clients. Those things are great, but they can also be learned. Whereas that sort of fit and eye for design are more innate, I think. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting to hear that you're also taking in the social aspect too, right? How how are these people um, carrying themselves on Twitter? Um, do you look at their social presence at all? This is a little bit inside baseball, but do you look at their social presence at all for the understanding of tech? Uh, like they they get it and they understand what they're looking for. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, when I get an email from a designer, it's pretty clear from the email how well they sort of understand. Um, what's possible and what is hard versus what's easy and not that they need to know how to, I don't want them, they don't need to know how to develop anything, but that they have a sort of general understanding of, uh, of what kinds of things are tricky on the web, um, which, is, which is not that easy to know. You know it's, it's kind of weird sometimes, the things that are hard for web. Um, and it can be really hard for people with a print background in particular. So it, I do sort of, right from the emails, start to look at um, how clear is their understanding of how how this works, how design works on the web, how these platforms work? Um, because if there are some gaps there, it can just run. In, we can run into problems once we get into into the design, where there are features that are unnecessarily hard or that you know, that cause um, user experience problems or things like that. So mm. definitely something I keep an eye on. Yeah. So what do you do in the instance when? something comes up with the client project and they and the client says that's not what I was looking for or we want to go in this direction now like we thought the home page we wanted three services but we don't in the three services section we want an embedded video what do you do when you hit that point and you have your freelancer that you're working with and you kind of managing this process yeah so uh, I think there are probably three main things so one is I always try to bring it back to what the client's actual goals are for the site so we we say, what do you, why, why are you thinking that's what you want? What are you trying to accomplish with that? Um, and that can give us a lot of leverage for if it's a decision that maybe is not actually going to get to that goal. And if we can point to out why that might not be the case, um, that can be great. And I, I see a lot of really great designers do that too, where they will assert themselves as the expert in that situation and say, this is why I'm making the choices I'm making based on what you're telling me you want. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one. Um, we also do a lot of uh, talking about uh, scope. So we try to be really clear from the outset in, in all of our documents what the scope is. And our sort of stance on changes are, that's great. We're happy to make changes. We're happy to make additions. And this is what it will take in terms of time and cost. So those, those conversations always go together. We're happy to do it. And it will take this amount of time. And it will cost this much. And that way, there's never a surprise. And everybody's usually on board with that. I yeah. think the third thing is um, we try and educate clients and designers. So I spent a lot of time reading blogs, <laughs> listening to podcasts, and skimming through all sorts of research. And uh, that just gives me a lot of information that I can pull out. So if someone's saying, I think I want this, then I can pull out some information about whether that impacts page speed or SEO. And I don't have to be an expert in those things, but I can pull out some data points that point to why that may or may not be a good idea. Yeah. What, what do you do for scoping a project? Do you work together with the freelancer, the potential freelancer for their client? Um, or does the designer run off and do their discovery and bring it back to you? Uh, most of the designers do the initial discovery and send me whatever they find from there. And then I will usually shoot back a series of questions. So they'll send me whatever they know about a project. And I look through that and I will say, that's awesome. And I, I have these five questions that would be more specific about some of these things you're mentioning. Um, so it usually will go through the designer like that. Um, sometimes it, I will go directly to the client, we'll have a phone call, or we'll do something along those lines to get more specific, especially if we're having a hard time and it doesn't feel like it's productive over email. <laughs> back and forth. So 
then we just jump on the phone and we talk it through, and, and that's great. But usually the designer does the bulk of the discovery, and it is another thing where we say in our in the estimate, I'll write out and I'll say, this is what I'm understanding this to be, and I try and be really detailed and clear in that. And I, and I make a point to say that uh, anything that you don't see here is not included. <laughs> we can add it, but it's not included. And that way, um, if things do come up and change in the design phase of the project, again, that's fine. We can just have a conversation about how that's different um, and what that might change about the scope of the project from there. Nice. Do you, do you guys use uh, any kind of software, app, or anything to keep you all on the same page? Trello, Basecamp, anything? Um, some of the agencies I work with use Basecamp, so I'll, I use it with them. I don't use it myself separately from that. Um, uh, internally, I have a, a business assistant who is uh, like half of my brain. <laughs> She's amazing and keeps me very organized. We use um, Help Scout for internal email, so it's like a help desk email where we can share an inbox and put notes on messages and things like that. Um, and we use Trello to keep track of where uh, potential projects are or existing projects are from the initial inquiry through um, paperwork, active development, to testing to complete. So all of our projects are on this board, so we can see where everything is in that process. Um, and then we use a couple of Google spreadsheets for other tracking and internal stuff like that. Uh, and then we use an app called uh, Pancake for invoicing and estimates. So we have like a kind of hodgepodge of, of things like that, but we don't have a central system that we use. We really mainly just use email through Help Scout for all of our stuff with clients, which uh, I'm like a, a hyper systems person, and I and I say that, and I feel like it sounds crazy, but it, it works well for us. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a great approach. It's, it's almost identical to the approach we take at our agency for the the help desk system. We use Fresh Desk, and um, I, I also use Help Scout for other for other things that I do. Uh, it's a great platform, and then yeah, really, I mean you have no choice. You have Trello, which is great for that list building and that workflow, and, and then it brings in stuff like our Google Docs, which we do all of our. Uh, cost estimates on it's just because of spreadsheets right <laughs> so we have we have no other way to really uh, do that and it just works works great and then we use uh, fresh books for invoicing so yeah awesome stuff yeah we just we started using Slack recently which I think yep. it blew awesome. up on Twitter <laughs> yep. but uh, it's like internal chat tool basically and that has been really great too because we're all remote um, I work with a couple of part-time developers and they're remote and I've just started bringing in some of my regular designer partners so that they have a partial access to it, and it's a great way to just sort of jump in and have quick conversations and take those out of email, which makes email as project management more feasible, I think. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, we use that as well. The uh, So interesting, I'm um, going to take a little sidestep on the interview, is are you planning on taking Zoe Rooney into an agency, or are you, what are you uh, planning? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. I think I fluctuate on that like every six months or so. Um, it, it is hard. I have been really fortunate to have a lot of work come in. And so um, even with a couple part-time people, I have to turn projects away, and it, it, sometimes it hurts me to do that. So with that in mind, I, I sometimes think I would like to add capacity. Um, I have been learning as I go just how hard it is to effectively manage people and train people, um, and that, that is not always my favorite thing to do. <laughs> so that's going to be a big barrier to that. So I don't, I don't know that I'm going to grow a whole lot more from where I am now. Um, I am like many people, constantly looking for that right sort of balance of doing what I love to do, the amount I love to do it, and, and doing other things. The amount <laughs> I love to do and so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is going to look like for that, but um, I, I think it's probably going to stay about the size it is now, which is myself, and I have uh, four part-time people right now. Awesome. 
Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's I think it's a great um, goal to work towards. Is it's funny a goal to work towards is balance, which is sort of probably yeah. contradicting, but the um, but it is it is a totally viable answer. Um, and I think a lot of us sort of get caught up in you know I need to be you know this agency or I need to be you know I need to have clients like they have clients because look how successful they are. Um, well, that's on the surface, but you don't know uh, on the inside uh, and all that fun stuff. So good luck uh, in 2015. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do because I, I love, I work with a lot of really small businesses and creative individuals, and I just, uh, I feel like going too far to an agency model makes it really hard to maintain that client base. And I, and I really just don't want to move away from that. I, I look at the agencies whose work I admire, and I love what they're doing, but I, I'm actually not, not that jealous of their client base because they I, I don't they don't get to work with the same micro business uh, individual business owner type people that I do. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I I totally hear you. I'm just coming back from Prestige Conf out in Minneapolis and you know watched a, in a, a tremendous inter, uh, presentation by Jake Goldman of Tenup uh, Studios, which or yeah. Tenup uh, Web Web uh, Tenup Web Agency. I was going to say WordPress Studio and. He showed a, an accelerated graph of of his growth, but because it was because of the clients that he he had taken on, right? So a lot of larger media publishing right. clients, you have no choice but to scale at right. this, and it's a lot of it just comes out of necessity. Right. So you're hiring people and you're creating positions because you have to, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a scary thing to see growth in two years go from one person. To 120 people. Yeah, they've been growing like crazy. Right, and you're like, oh my god! Like one day I'm gonna walk into the office and not know who this person is sitting right. next to me. Right. Um, you know, so everybody has their sort of definition of success. Let's talk about WordPress specifically. Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously not always the tool that you use to solve a problem or to launch a client site. Uh, one of them being Shopify that you leverage. Mm -hmm. Probably quite often. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Do you use WordPress for everything, and and why and why not? Yeah, I use WordPress for informational sites and for blogs. Um, I do almost zero e-commerce using WordPress, and that is just a preference that I have based on the available tools for WordPress e-commerce. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of any of them, and I um, really love what Shopify does especially for retail businesses, which are the majority of the e-commerce businesses I work with. Most of them are, are selling physical products in retail. Um, and in Shopify, that's what it's built for. So it's great for that. I do like that sort of dedicated tool aspect to it, where that is what it's for. It's a hosted system, so we're not worried about SSL. We're not worried about setting up hosting in a way to maintain security. And we're not worried about um, updating plugins or anything like that to maintain that security over the long haul. That's all taken care of. And that is a huge plus for me, especially with that, that mindset that I talked about before where I don't want to be um, in someone's project constantly after we launch it. I want them to be able to maintain it on their own. And that aspect of Shopify being hosted makes that a lot easier. <laughs> it takes a lot of the work yeah. off there. Um, but I do, WordPress is, is by far the most powerful thing I've worked with and the thing that I most enjoy working with for those info sites and those blogs. So that that's what I leverage it for primarily. Um, yeah. And I would say that that is slightly over half of the work that I do currently. Uh, the e-commerce market has shot through the roof, especially in Shopify. Uh, that whole kind of area has really gone through the roof recently. 
but I, I think WordPress is still the majority of the work I do. In terms of revenue, do you find projects for WordPress projects being a higher dollar and Shopify being less? What does that look like in terms of the business? Yeah, it definitely used to be that Shopify was a higher revenue uh, business because with e-commerce there are just so many pages with that inherent. You know, you have um, beyond whatever pages you have for the site, you have checkout, you have account pages, you have uh, there's just a lot of stuff in there. Um, it actually has shifted recently so that they're a little bit more even. I think part of that is that people are looking for um, to sort of break the mold more with their info sites and their blogs. So people are looking for just more cool stuff in those areas than they used to be. It used to be a little bit more simple. So yeah. that definitely shifted it. And I think um, also Responsive has done some interesting stuff where it actually has sort of leveled that out a little bit um, in part because it's forced us to get a lot more systematic with how we're setting our projects up so that uh, the, the work cost for e-commerce has come down as we've set up better systems. Uh, and then info sites and blogs are getting a little fancier, so it's sort of leveling out that way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually interesting that you're seeing that. Um, I think a lot of folks who are just getting into WordPress, and I should say the, the end users, the business owners that are discovering WordPress for their business and now looking for folks uh, like you and like the folks listening to the podcast, they see WordPress and they hear it, they get exposed to it because they hear it's free, it's, it's easy to use, you can get it on any web host and so on and so forth. Um, so there's sort of that, you know, branding problem of WordPress where people say, that's free, why are you going to charge me 5,000 bucks to customize that? Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, you have Shopify, which off the top of my head, I don't know what the lowest uh, tier is, but I think it's like 50 bucks a month maybe. Um, they, have a low, they have some lower ones than that. I think... I don't, yeah, I don't actually don't even know either. I think it's probably the lowest is around 20. Yeah, so even if somebody sees it for 20 bucks a month, how do you have that discussion of the same thing where it's like it's going to be $5,000 for us to engage in this project, but but for what? I'm only paying $20 a month, you know, yeah. for the Shopify. How do you justify costs when, or how do you have that negotiation with the client when they see 20 bucks a month and then your fees to customize it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that actually you sort of hit up this, but one of the things that I've noticed about e-commerce especially retail businesses, is that people who are going into a retail business, um, for whatever reason, tend to have a higher price point in mind when they're, when they're shopping out a website. So maybe it's something about, especially people who have brick-and-mortar businesses because they've done a lot of that financing for that. But something about retail, I think, in the planning process is people have a different expectation for what a site might cost to start out with. So that can definitely help for people who are coming in expecting to pay more when it's an e-commerce situation. Um, I mean, I think the, the keys are going back to that, that design quality. So people um, want to pay a premium for that, that quality design. And so having those partnerships has made a huge difference in what I can charge and what people will accept for that. Um, I also am very transparent about the, the product that I create and the, my attitude about it and how I feel about websites and, and building websites and what that looks like. Um, and I think that really helps just in terms of building, um, I guess, like a name for the way that I, what I do. Um, I have clients who have heard about my work from other people in their industry and um, have heard that it is easy to maintain and easy to update and clean and organize on the admin side for them. And that's, that's also got value to people who are really busy running a business or starting a business. So those yeah. things definitely help. And I just don't, I mean, I don't make excuses for it. I just say this is what it's going to cost and 
if that doesn't work for you, that's fine. That's that's valid, but that's what it's going to cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it, and that's a good lesson that you that you hinted at. There is you've built a brand uh, over the course uh, of of all the work that you've done and, and partnering other people, and then obviously at the end putting out an exceptional product that people love and will refer you for. And I think that's something that's sorely overlooked, especially with a lot of freelancers that are just starting out, sort of. You know, jaded in the industry of saying, "Look, I want to be that person who kicks my feet up in the coffee shop. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have freedom, and I'm going to charge people, you know, whatever I want. You know, I'm going to I'm going to walk in and charge people ten thousand bucks, and I just started yesterday. Yeah. Um, sadly, not the case. Uh, and it just takes a lot of hard work to build that brand. But it's important that folks are working to build that that mm-hmm. that brand because a lot of them get sort of uh, bogged down in, I can do cool things with WordPress. I can build you anything, you know. Right. Really, you want to service these clients so that they say, that was an amazing experience. The work was great. I don't care about the tech stuff. You just built me something awesome. And I'm so busy, you didn't take up all my time and I got this done and this was great. Right. Um, because it's that's what you need in this um, in this market is, the, is that referral engine. So Yeah, I think for designers, it's the, it's the details. It's not having to review a site and come back with, um, a punch list of a bunch of different things that we missed. We try not to <laughs> miss much. Um, so that's really gratifying, I think, for both sides of that, is that we get the details right the first time, and that feels good for everyone. And then I think for clients, it's also a big thing, in and designers, in the way that, that we talk to both of those people. Um, one of the big criticisms I've heard from designers about developers is that they we use a lot of jargon. We make things really technical, and we make them feel like they're dumb for not understanding how something works. Uh, and so just focusing really hard on how we talk to, to folks, I think, makes them feel good about the process, too, in a way that they may not have in similar processes in the past. And so that's a big draw and a big thing that brings people to us, to recommendations, is saying that um, that we're not going to talk tech at them in a way that they don't want to hear it. But we will if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't want to hear it, then we'll just tell you what you need to know. Yeah. And, and, and help you get what you need to done. Yeah, we can save five seconds on that load time if we cash all the deliver. Oh my God, all the assets would be so great. It'd be like, what? Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just want my product online. Right, right. And we, I mean, we'll have that conversation along the lines of, you know, there are things you can do with your images that will make your site load a lot faster. And here are the pros and cons. So you know, we can, we can optimize load time. Uh, we might need to compromise on image quality. What is most important to you? And here are some things that we know that might, you might want to consider. Um, and, and that conversation feels a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hearing lots of stuff about caching. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know what that means. And I don't really <laughs> So you're in an interesting situation where you're, you're developing for sort of both platforms. Uh, you know, w- from your experience of working with Shopify, especially in the e- for e-commerce and selling e-commerce, what is it that you think WordPress community... Plugin authors for e-commerce should do or can do about making this process a little bit easier uh, for somebody to launch an e-commerce site on WordPress. Like, what experiences have you seen at Shopify that would make WordPress just a little bit better at doing this stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, I think some of the e-commerce plugins and products that are out there are good. Um, I think where it's hard to compete is in the infrastructure. So, like I mentioned, with the hosting and the security. That's pretty hard to compete with. And the fact that um, the Shopify can run all of their updates internally without disrupting the system for the site owner, um, whereas on WordPress you're updating plugins yourself, that, that's just a fundamental difference that I think is hard to match. Um, the problems that I've had with WordPress plugins 
plugins in e-commerce have more been on the business side as far as how the licensing works and um, update major updates and, and compatibility with old versions have been have been problematic for a lot of different systems. So I think um, I think it's just hard. I, I do really like the digital e-commerce space, like downloads, subscriptions, that kind of thing. I think WordPress plugins do well, and those make sense for a WordPress situation. But I don't know that I think WordPress ever should be a real retail-focused system uh, the way that Shopify is aiming to be. I think that that just is probably a separate space and can stay a separate space. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a perfect perfect answer. Um, again, referring back to the prestige comp that I just came to, which wasn't primarily a focus on WordPress, um, and it was rather refreshing <laughs> to, to not be talking about all things WordPress. Uh, I think we are starting to see that uh, in the social channels. I'm starting to recognize and pick up on a lot of people that, that are saying, you know what, I'm sort of done following this at this religious capacity. I want to uh, spread my wings and, and find other technology because at the end I'm, I'm, I'm serving my client. And you're already in that. Even if you weren't thinking that two years ago, if you think back to your two years ago, you were installing WordPress and you were launching them and you were giving them Google Analytics, you were giving them MailChimp, you were bringing in other technologies for different needs. You were never just solving everything with WordPress. Right. And God, if you were... Wow. <laughs> um, any parting advice for the for the freelancers out there, either maybe looking to partner with you or to, to sort of get into the group of things like you are? Any advice for freelance developers out there? Um, I really think just talking about what you're doing uh, online, social media or on a blog or whatever is, is essential. Um, I've made a, a ton of relationships through people who I've met on Twitter or who comment on blogs or who write blogs that I stumble on through various things. So I think that's huge. And just in terms of building that wider community, that just makes a really big difference for me in upping my own game and then also in making connections around community. But I would definitely say write about what you're doing and talk about what you're doing and ask other people questions about what they're doing. And that's a great, a great thing to do. Um, I absolutely think that e-commerce is the future for a lot of a lot of businesses, so I would always advise checking into that. Um, and uh, Shopify is a great system. There are some other really good ones out there, but um, you know everybody I know who works with Shopify turns a lot of work away. So I I always recommend people that they check that out as a as a, a thing to do. Hey, we're 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 always happy to get some uh, insider trading secrets on the Matterport. So I we really we really appreciate that. Uh, Zoe, where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Uh, my website is zoerooney.com, and my blog is there as well. I post a lot of stuff about development and then just also the business side of what I do. And then I'm also on Twitter um, quite frequently. It's Zoe underscore Rooney. Those are the two main places you can find me. Awesome. Everybody go say thanks. Uh, everyone else, matreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. And uh, if you're interested in growing your WordPress business, we always have the pro section. It's a great way to support the Matt Report podcast, but it's also a, a tremendous way to learn uh, sort of what other people are doing in their WordPress business. You can find out more about that, matreport.com slash join. Thanks, everybody.